Every year as the weather turns nicer, we see more and more people outside enjoying uh, the beautiful days, praise God, uh, even though it may bring thunderstorms with us as, as well. Uh, but one of the things you'll notice as you drive around town or any place really, there's a lot more people uh, running. They like to get out there and enjoy a brisk run, whatever it may, may be. That's, 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 that's great. Um, one of my favorite activities actually to watch, uh, not to do anymore, that's for sure, uh, but, uh, but to watch our, our track and field events. Maybe it's because I, I, I used to throw the shot put, and also I'm kind of always a little, little jealous, I'll be honest, about how quick some people uh, can, can run. Not, not sprint, but those that can do distance uh, running. It's, it's quite amazing and how quickly they can, they can run, be it a marathon or just some of those, those distant runs as, as well. You know, I think the penultimate event, at least until uh, maybe the 60s and 70s when the 100-meter dash took over, used to be the mile run. It was an event that you did not want uh, to, to miss. And I think that's because everyone always, always would think, are we going to see the four-minute mark be broken or not? And of course, the story behind it, many of you probably know of it, is of, of Roger Bannister. He is the first person ever uh, to break the four-minute mark. But actually, that didn't happen until 1954. And since the 1880s, uh, around the world, people have been trying to break that four-minute mark. So people in, uh, obviously, Europe, Australia, and North America, they try to find the best athletes possible. And they get the best coaches to go with them, trying to break that elusive four-minute mark. And they got it down all the way to four minutes, one second, and, and a half. But no one could quite break that mark. And so people started thinking, it's impossible. You cannot break the four-minute mile. But Roger Bannister, he thought different. And he did things different as well. You see, other athletes would have all the great coaches with them. They'd have a ton of people training with them. But Roger Bannister had none of that. Yes, he was a great runner in, in England, but he was also a medical student at the same time and really was trying to pursue his, his doctorate, trying to become a medical uh, doctor. And so he'd run, but not really focus too much. But in the year 1954, he thought, you know, I'm really going to try this year to break the four-minute barrier. And even all the journalists in England kind of were criticizing him because he wasn't taking advantage of everything that the country had to offer him. Instead, it was just him and a couple other uh, athletes that would go training. Well, on May 6, uh, 1954, it was the Oxford Relays. And this was a very small event. Meanwhile, by the way, other times when people were trying to break the four-minute mile, there'd be 20,000 people there to watch. Well, on this, on this very kind of morning-like, like today, actually, a little cool, a little windy, and, and a wet track, only about 1,500 people uh, showed up. But as Rogers started to, to run, after the half-mile mark, he was right on pace, and he had a, a pacer in front of him. That first pacer uh, dropped off. At the three-quarter-mile mark, he was at three minutes and a second. And so he knew he had a chance. And that's when that last pacer uh, dropped off. At the 1500, kind of the, the, the 1500 mark there, 1500 yard mark, he realized that he was in world record pace. And so the last 15 seconds, he gave it all he had. 
And as he crossed the line, and it was the first number put up was three, the crowd erupted. Three minutes, 59 seconds, and four-tenths of a second, Roger Bannister had broken that impossible mark that all humanity had been trying to break their whole life. He finally did it. Would you believe 54 days later, someone else did it as well? Would you believe the next year, three people broke it in the same race? And you know that yesterday at the Prefontaine Classic, every single person had a better time than three minutes and 57 seconds? Over 1,600 people in the world have broken the four-minute mile. But it took one person to do it first. And when that happened, all of a sudden that idea that it's impossible went away. It freed people up. Well, if Roger Bannister can do it, then I can do it. I will never say that, by, <laughs> by, by the way, right? Um, but we see this so often in other things uh, as well, even as, as kids. When you see someone maybe jump off that, that third or fourth step and not break their ankles, then you're going to follow suit, right? Or whatever it may be. It frees you up. It gives you confidence that something truly is possible. Of course, today we celebrate the ascension. What is the ascension, by the way? Of course, we know it's the Lord ascending into heaven. But what are we called to do? We're called to follow him in to heaven. And so today it should give us that confidence that this truly is possible. You know, before Jesus, in a lot of ways, people thought, hmm, heaven, the realm of heaven, that's impossible to get to. But what does Jesus do? He shows us the way. We're going to hear about this today in our, in our preface, this beautiful prayer, uh, right before the Eucharistic prayer, where it states, mediator, between God and man, judge of the world and Lord of hosts, he ascended, not to distance himself from our lowly state, but that we, his members, might be confident of following where he, our head and founder, has gone before. So I have that confidence that we can follow him. Why? Yes, Jesus is truly uh, fully divine, but he's also fully human. And so in our human state as well, our human nature, that we can follow him, to be with him. And not only that, but to know that Jesus is where? He's in heaven, sitting at the right hand of his Father, interceding for us, that we may follow him to this eternal dwelling place. And so we have to put our confidence in the Lord and to realize that this is not unattainable, but it truly is possible. How? Well, when we follow Christ, not just in the ascension, but when we follow Christ in everything that we do, every decision that we make to say, I want to follow in the way of Christ. And when I do this, I know that I'm going to have this peace I'm going to have this happiness. I'm going to have this, this joy. I'm going to be filled with, with his grace and to know that he's up there in heaven interceding for us. God wants us to be with him. That's why he sent his only begotten son. That's why his only begotten son died for us. 
and the resurrection rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, opening up the gates of heaven for you and for me and for all of us. But we get to choose. Are we going to follow him or not? Be confident. Be confident that if you do follow him, you know where you are going to be with him eternally in heaven. And so follow him with, with that, that confidence. Ask him for that help when we struggle, when we so often can turn to the world instead of, of the Lord. Say, Lord, I need you. Help me. And to know that he's there, interceding for us and willing and wanting to extend his hand to us because he is full of love, he is full of grace. And so we put our confidence into him that we may follow him eternally in to heaven.